Father, uh, as we come before you, Lord God, um, we want to bless you. We want to thank you. And Father, as we come before your word, we come with humility. Help me, Lord, to rightfully divide the word of God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. I pray that you would open our, our spiritual eyes, that we would see Jesus, Lord. So, Father, we bless you and praise you. We ask your wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you this morning to open your Bibles to James, James 1.12, a verse that may be familiar to some of you. I've entitled this message, The Blessings of Trials, and I'm aware that many of us uh, are experiencing or have experienced many trials in our journey of faith, and the more and more that I speak to people today, it is becoming apparently clear to me um, that many of God's people in this day and age are really being tried. They're really being tried for their faith. And I'm always reminded that God's purposes to us are eternal, and our God is ever working in us perfection through sanctification, you know, Christ-likeness, and the process that he uses for that are trials and tests. A.W. Tozer says this, to the child of God, there's no such thing as an accident. He travels an appointed way. The path he tread was chosen for him when as yet he was not, and when as yet he had existence only in the mind of God. Today, I want to make the case that trials in our life are a blessing from God. And through our trials, we come to know God more deeply. We come to know God more profoundly. And through trials, God produces an eternal weight of glory for us. Um, to do so, in order to make this case, I'd like to look at four keywords found in James 1.12. Now, you might be saying, what does this have to do with revival? And my response to that is everything. A correct perspective of God, of the plan, the purpose, and the person of God empowers us to overcome trials victoriously. And by faith, we can trust in the plan of God while we cry together for revival. So let's look at, let's look at the text. In very short text, James 1, 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. This verse is really the capstone, if you would, of the introduction into this great epistle. It's written to Jewish believers, Jewish believers in the diaspora, Jewish believers who had been dispersed, some of them forcibly removed from Palestine, moved into other areas, some of them left willingly, and many of them, Jewish believers, who had been excommunicated from the synagogue, excommunicated for their way of life, being persecuted by pagans, being persecuted by the Jewish uh, religion, and being persecuted later on by the Romans. And James writes them to encourage them. He encourages them not to lose hope, 
but to keep themselves centered and focused in Christ. His opening words to them are found through verses 1 through 8. And to sum up James' perspective in those verses, in verse 2, he tells them, consider it all joy when you encounter trials. In verse 3, he says, trials produce spiritual endurance. In verse 4, he says, spiritual endurance produces what I call godly perfection. And godly perfection, in verse 4, produces godly perspective, revealed through the wisdom of God. In verse 5, he says, wisdom is available to all who ask in faith, and God will provide wisdom in abundance, and he will not hold back. In verse 6, he says, let the one ask in faith, trusting in the person and in the character of God. And in verses 7 and 8, he says, but if you ask, don't ask in unbelief or doubt, and if you do, don't expect anything from God. He opens it up, and you'll note that all of his comments, all of his comments reflect that it is God doing the work in the believer. It is God doing the work. James then sums up all of this in verse 12, when he writes, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them who love him. So let's look at the first word, the first key word in that verse. And the first word there is the word blessed. Now, you may have heard um, over the years that blessed means happy. And, and, and I would state that that is a shallow definition of what blessed means. The word itself in the Greek goes deeper than being happy. Actually, what it properly means is you're blessed, you have an inner joy because God has extended his favor to you. It's an inner joy. It's not just casual happiness. You're having a good day. This, the word describes a believer and the believer's enviable position with God. God has given inner joy. In short, the reasons James says that blessed is the man that endureth temptation is because the trial or the test is from God a God who works all things for good, a God who is forever sanctifying his children, and a God who knows what is best for us. Trials are intended by God not to harm us, but rather to strengthen us, which is why James can say in verse 2, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Count it joy. It's in a season for joy, which may seem a little insane to us as we're so bent on being happy. But the inner joy, the blessedness comes from God. The second word there, the second key word, endureth, literally means to remain under the load, to bear the load, to bear up. For the, for the believer, this is done uniquely, uniquely by the power of God. The believer has an inner joy that comes from being in the favor of God. The believer perseveres under the load, holding to the promises of God, even under duress. This is biblical faith. Now, I know we all face times when our faith is challenged, when the trial is so severe that we are left shocked, perplexed, disturbed, 
lackey understanding, even at the very onset of the trial. And this happens to the best of believers. But brothers and sisters, there comes a time the, when there comes an anchor for the soul. And it begins to emerge where, whereby you find yourself holding to the plan and the purpose and the promise of God, holding to his word and trusting in the character of God. And that is despite the confusion, despite what might be the pain, the circumstance, biblical faith grounds you and you find rest in God. Remember, biblical in faith, biblical faith, engages the mind, it engages the intellect, and it harnesses the will, and it is revealed in holding to God, to the person of God, to the plan of God, to the purposes of God, and to the sovereignty of God. I want to say something. Every time I talk about trials, I realize that what I'm talking about is holy ground. And I don't want anybody ever to think that this is a broad brush slap to your respective circumstances. But I want to tell you that the principles are true. The principles are true. We serve a sovereign God. And everything begins with a correct view of God. You know, an incorrect view of God always begins with an incorrect view of man. Man, when he places himself as the supreme all, right, only reflects the fallen nature of man. But when we have a correct view of God, we could then rest within the sovereignty and within the providence of God and rest in what Christ has purchased for us at the cross of Calvary. Let's look at the third word in that verse, temptation. And the good translation for that word is trial. It's parosmos in the Greek. It's a test. It's a trial. And it could, it could apply negatively, and it can apply uh, positively. The context is really what drives the meaning. God tests his children, but he does not tempt his children with evil. It is during these tests, during these trials, which God intends for good, that the tempter, our adversary, would come to tempt us to curse God, deny God, and the adversary's plan is for evil. The temptation, in the negative sense, is always for evil. The trial, the test, God is working for good. And this is where biblical living faith comes in where we surrender to God's plan, we choose to hold to God and believe in the character of God, a God of good purposes, as Paul tells us in Romans 8, a God who grants endurance, a God of love for his children. Brother and sister, I know that many of you are facing adversity right now, and you are facing trials right now as I speak. And as believers, we must actively believe that God will reward faith in him who endures. In trials, we must come to God assured. What does that mean? That the Lord will fulfill what he says. And we must come to God 
convicted with a deep inner conviction that God is whom he says he is, and God will do what God says he will do. Faith is a matter of the heart. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes this great statement. I love it. He says, the Christian faith ultimately is not only a matter of doctrine or understanding or intellect. It is a condition of the heart. My, encourage you, my encouragement to all of us this morning is to hold to Christ. He will hold us fast. Hold to Christ. He will deliver. Hold to Christ. As the writer of Hebrews says, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Lastly, why should we hold to Christ? Well, the verse tells us, when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. And that word tries means that when he is tested, approved, and validated, he passed the test. The believer passed the test. In passing the test, we are approved. We are validated by God. And God will indeed reward with the crown of life. The crown of life is given to those who actively endure under trial. Church, this is day number 698 of daily praying for revival. Some of you might be saying, where is the revival? Some might be saying, nothing has changed. Things have gotten worse for me since I started this journey. But church, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to those who love him. I say this because I myself find myself under trial. And my only hope is Christ. So at my admonition, my encouragement to you is, hold on. Church, press on. Church, press on in faith. The Lord is coming with revival in his wings. Hold on, church, for we see a cloud the size of a man's hands, uh, a man's fist. But soon, and very soon, the deluge of his grace will be poured out from heaven, saturating all with his spirit to those who by faith wait for him. Be encouraged, you who suffer. Our God has not forgotten you, and he shall surely bring deliverance, and that he shall bring swiftly to those who love him. All the praise, all the glory, all the honor will be unto our God and our Lord Jesus Christ, and he shall reign and we shall reign with him. God bless you.